Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. I'm Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined by Mike Tanier, as always, and also Brian Knowles is joining us this week. And we are going to preview week 18 in the NFL, your final shot at the seventh seed that didn't even exist a couple of years ago. But now, here we are, week 17, week 18 excitement with the seven. I mean, week 18 didn't exist a couple of years ago either. Week 18 excitement for the seventh seeds. But first, let's talk a little bit about Cincinnati and Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, we have to start with, as always, with the sort of predicate that there are more important things in life than football. But we are here to talk about football. And we have moved on, I think, to the point of discussing what they are going to do about this game. And all of the rumors now suggest that Buffalo Cincinnati is going to be declared a no contest and then they will move on to trying to do some sort of adjustment to the playoffs to make up for the fact that Kansas City, assuming they beat the Raiders on Saturday, will win the one seed because this game never happened. Right. So there are a couple of alternatives that have been floated, and I'm curious what you guys have thought about them. One alternative is to simply, if Kansas City and either Cincinnati or Buffalo is in the AFC championship game, to play it at a neutral site so that Kansas City doesn't get any home field advantage from having been the one seed. However, that would still give them a bye week. Another possibility would be to take the top two seeds and essentially split the number one seed. One team would get a bye week. The other team would get home field advantage if those two teams played in the the AFC Championship game. The third possibility that's been floated over the last hour is to add an eighth playoff team in the AFC so nobody gets a bye week. And that that might come with the neutral field AFC Championship game too. I'm not sure. What was the source on that? Uh, For Football Talk was, was was the original source. So what you're saying is there are two options, and then there's this Florio all you want. The dude is plugged in. There I, would not be yeah. I would not be surprised if it was raised at least at some level because it is an option, as in it's a thing you could physically do. So, and I'm sure right. they are scrambling to figure out what the fair thing to do in a situation where there are no fair solutions. I mean, I would say that I'm against the eighth seed. Because in the nightmare scenario, the eighth seed goes on to the Super Bowl. You've already had a Tennessee Titans team rest players last week or, you know, not play players who might have played because they thought the game was meaningless because this game is meaningless because they had no shot at it. That's one of like, um, that's just off the top of my head. The eighth seed's not real. It's not real. It's, it's a Florioism. It's not real. 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 Okay. So the eighth seed is not real. <laughs> Just I'm sorry, watch, I'm putting my foot down. this show, someone's going to come on and say, by the way, they just announced 8C. Okay, but, okay so let's assume that's not real. What do you think of the other ideas? The Part of the problem is that there are situations in which the Cincinnati Buffalo game wouldn't have mattered for the number one seed, no matter what happens this week. I mean, Buffalo could win, could win outright if the Chiefs lose. The Chiefs could win outright if the Bills lose. Like, 
there are some situations where it doesn't matter, and there's some situations where it's crucially important. And we'll know just after week 18 what the NFL should have done. But they can't wait until after that because it's not fair to make that decision once you know all the results. I think the most fair from a competitive standpoint is probably putting the AFC Championship game at a neutral site. Uh, because we don't know who's going to get the buy. I think, I, think I think that's the fairest thing overall. That's a hard sell for, for other financial reasons, things like that. But it seems to me that is the fairest way to do it with the least amount of disruption possible. I, I, I love the fantasy football commissioner and his friends got together over wings and came up with this new idea thing. I love that. I think it's cool. the, the idea that you could have a half hour show where you bring in Sean McDermott and, uh, and, and Taylor and the yeah, Pagulas and they can like, and they can flip the coin and see who gets home. Field. <laughs> That's fine. Or we could just play this as it was. Keep in mind last year, the Las Vegas Raiders made the playoffs made the playoffs because they won a Tuesday afternoon game against a Browns team with how many starters out with their third string quarterback with Nick Mullins, et cetera. A couple of years ago, I'm not sure how it affected seedings, but the saints had a win on their schedule against Kendall Hilton and a Broncos team that had, I don't know how many people out. Sometimes unfair things happen. And that's before we start asking questions about calls and things like that. This is not some unfair thing involving COVID or anything. This is, this was a tragic event that happens. Winning percentage is winning percentage. We all know what winning percentage is. In baseball in the past, you'd have some teams played 158 or 159. Some played 162. I know they try to get them all in now. This happens. Why don't we Why don't we just play it as it lays, folks? Just play it as it lays. That, 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 that's the thing. There is no re- – No matter what the they game. pick, somebody is going to be disadvantaged. Exactly. Not playing the game is the separate solution. And to justify something being more complex, it also has to be more fair in equal measure. And I don't think that situation just exists. So simplicity is a virtue played as it lies. Yeah. Yeah. And not to go back to the eighth season. So you're going to come back and there's going to be an eighth playoff game. And so now Jets-Dolphins is meaningless? No, Jets-Dolphins would be a play. The Dolphins would be a win and in in that situation. Oh, goody. So we get to see Skylar Thompson in a play-in game. But then the... Patriots game is meaningless. Or... No, Patriots but it could, would, Patriots would also be winning. We, we should have two winning in games. And okay. Both of them lost. Then the Steelers would be winning. It, yeah, that is one, one thing I will note is that because of the way the AFC falls, uh-huh. declaring that there's going to be an eighth seed does Doesn't... not put any teams automatically into the seventh seed. Yeah. Like every game would still have meaning. It does, however, mean that the Titans resting their starters would have knocked them out of any chance of the seed, which retroactively. So that's unfair to Tennessee. There's, there's right. no way to be fair to everybody. It's just not possible in this situation. Right. So anyway, <sighs> we'll, we'll find out what they decide. And if rumors are correct, we'll find out what they decide this afternoon, possibly before you've even listened to this podcast. But we'll see what, what ends up happening. Uh, let's talk about the games that actually will happen. Uh, and by the way, Sean Ryder is right. Forcing the Bills and Bengals to play again almost feels like the most unfair option because even though it's fair from a football perspective, it's unfair because it gives everybody else in the AFC a free bye week. And because it forces the Buffalo players to go back onto the field in Cincinnati, which probably does not have very good memories for them. There's also a point at which when you if you push all of week 18 back, now you're saying, okay, Lucas Oil Stadium, all the employees, everybody involved, we're going to move back a week so we can play the Colts Texans a week later. 
you know, season ticket holders, everything else. Well, that's already, that ship has already sailed. We can't yeah, that, 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 right. that, exactly. Like, like that kind of thing is just like, like we, there's a lot of battleships getting moved. That I think people don't think about uh, for, for people who are not, I hate to say not directly impacted by this. And they're, you, you know, saying, Oh, you have to go back another week because of this isn't necessarily the ideal solution. Yeah. And again, the Bills and Bengals are both going to the playoffs, which we're having a different conversation if this is to get in or get not. Like, they're right. both going to the playoffs one way or the other. Right. 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 Uh, okay. Let's talk about teams that may not be going to the playoffs, starting with the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we'll start with Tennessee at Jacksonville Saturday night, which is essentially a play in game. Although, as we know, there is a way that the Jaguars could lose this game and be the be the seventh seed if the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose, and the Steelers lose. Well, what are the odds the Bond and the AFC could all be, play a bad game at the same time? What could possibly be the odds of that? 5%. <laughs> right, there you go. We have the odds. <laughs> <laughs> we have the Jaguars as the seventh seed 5% of the time. Uh, these teams played in week 14, so fairly recently. It was 36 to 22 Jaguars in that game. Uh, there's a lot going on here. I mean, part of this is, and this is going to come up numerous times in this show, where it's hard to talk about one of these teams because we have one game of Joshua Dobbs. Like, yes. what do we know about Joshua Dobbs? I will say an interesting stat the Titans' offense, this is their rank by quarter this year. Ready? Second in the first quarter, 13th in the second quarter, 26th in the third quarter, 31st in the fourth quarter. And if you look only at the Willis and Dobbs games, most of this trend goes away, except they're even worse in the fourth quarter. This team falls apart in the fourth quarter like you wouldn't freaking believe. They run out of pass concepts that these quarterbacks know. Dobbs has been there nine days. and Willis They ran been- out of pass concepts that Ryan Tannehill knew. We're dumbfounded by that. Well, we're dumbfounded. No, I have a bunch of stats here. These are two of the top four defenses in the league against runs on first down. Okay. And both offenses are below average running on first down. So even if Joshua Dobbs is your quarterback, switch it up, pass on first down. I think they do a lot of play action passing on first down. I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's the thing is the Titans become successful. We we ran, you ran some numbers on this earlier this year, like showing that the Titans are successful on first down passing because people are expecting them to run. Right. Right. The boxes are like all eight man boxes right. and they can go over the top on that. And they've got like a screen game to their tight ends. They like using a Conquo, I believe is the young man's name. They use him a yes. lot. Say- 31st against tight ends. So Chigozim Okonkwo. Oh, I got a, I hit a, a parlay with him last week. I'll look him up. I'm not going to look him up like right now, but that's, that's a good one. By the way, uh, Derek Henry, full participant in practice. Justin Simmons limited. Looks like he will play. He's obviously a big factor in that running. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Simmons, yes. I'm making up new people today, if you saw <laughs> Justin Simmons. No, Justin Simmons is playing, too. On, uh, he's right. playing he's, on Sunday. <laughs> for the Broncos. Uh, Traylon Burks, I think, was limited. And of course, that's a big deal, because every lack of a receiver just takes that Titans offense down. Yeah. 
the, 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 the Titans passing game is already, uh, you know, like, you know, remedial levels. They can't really afford to lose anybody and have a, really a chance at this one. The thing the Titans do the best is punt the ball to the other team. That's not ideal if you're fighting for, for a playoff spot at this point. Uh, the Jaguars have just been significantly better over the past month than the Titans have. And the, and I just, it feels like the Titans are, are a wagon that is slowly falling apart as they're just rolling towards the finish line. They, they are, they're, they're alive only because the AFC South has been a dumpster fight at this point in time. I, I think it would just be best for most people involved if we just kind of put them out of their misery and moved on at this point. <laughs> oh, our guy Stonehouse. Yes. He's fallen off the pace, hasn't he? No, he's going to get the record, and he's currently at 53 yards per punt. So unless he has a day where he punts like an average of 25 yards, he's going to break Sammy Baugh's 1940 record for gross punting yards. He's a full yard and a half above him at the moment. It's really interesting to think about because the Titans are not that great in punting by our numbers because they've allowed a lot of return. Yeah, because I I never quite know just how much the punter is the reason for allowing the return. But in like gross punt value, he's number one, but in net punt value, they're actually kind of average. Part of that is when you, to punt farther, you got to take the ball higher, which gives you know, more time for, you know, right. throws off the timing or everything. I do think it's more the punt coverage unit than, than it is Stonehouse. But when you're, when you're, when you're punting for depth, you're not always punting for the best, uh, you know, best coverage outcomes. Right. So, so I mean, it's it's it, it's impressive when you're breaking a record set in 1940, it's, especially because Ball's yeah. record was pumped up by a bunch of quick kicks on first and second down, where there's no returner back there, so you get the the benefit of super long rolls. There's Jaguars no punting is also good, kicks. by the way. So this is a really good game if you like punting. That, that that's that's what I was doing in week 17. You know, the meaningless Titans game. I was I, I was turning the way. I was turning back only for the punts. I wanted to see make sure Stonehouse was going to stay on pace. That was that was the draw. If, if folks ask, if you were on the Discord, you can join the Discord. Uh, the information is below us. Brian was keeping us up to date, kick by kick, in the rain, in that delightful game against the Cowboys and everything Ryan Stonehouse was doing. It was a lot of fun. Got, got to catch anytime you can catch any ball on anything. It's, it's worth it's worth stopping and paying attention. <laughs> yes, Hitchhiker's Pie pointing out Trevor Lawrence's awesome DYAR jump from year one to year two, which is 1,200 DYAR, which I don't know if that's the record, but it's a lot. And Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, you got to say he's one of the seven or eight best quarterbacks in the league right now. Like, that's probably a conservative statement, I would say. Like, everything about the Jaguars, they're average running the ball. They're 27th on defense. They're average on special teams. Like, Lawrence is the man. Lawrence is the man. I have a hard time right now with like the top five, the top 10, because it's in flux because Brady's falling out. Wilson's falling out. Brady's falling out. Rogers is in this place. Lawrence is rising into that category. I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. He's on his way there. If he's not there already. <laughs> the, the, the probably the best year one to year two DYAR jump is probably like Jared Goff. It is Jared Goff with uh, uh, Josh Allen number two behind him. I, I don't know. I don't know the top of my head. I don't know the exact numbers, but that was the numbers as of last year. Uh, because Goff sucked. Yes. so much as a, Golf is, Golf is a disaster <laughs> there was a lot more room for him to jump yeah. than there was for trevor lawrence or Peyton man right i mean yeah um your prop for this game mike My prop for this game i kind of like this one derrick henry again full participant in practice 100 plus rushing yards travis Etienne, 100 plus scrimmage yards so you get that screen game in for etn parlay both of them at plus 400 so 100 rushing for Derrick Henry and 
100 plus scrimmage for ETN. Plus Henry four. does tend to go off against other AFC South teams, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's got a week off, so, you know, he's resting and ready to but go. But I got to think the Jaguars are stuffing lots of guys in the box on this game and daring Joshua Dobbs to beat them. Yeah. I would agree. I, I feel like I've got to do something in this game, and I feel like I'm going to take that. Um, because, again, Henry could also, they stuff the box, he gets the breakaway. They already ruined their Saturday night, you know, make, make, making us stay home on Saturday night instead of going out and having a social life. So <laughs> I'm staying at home. I'll be on the Discord. I, well, yeah, I didn't say I wasn't social experience. I just said they made me stay home. <laughs> That's the difference between you and I. You and us, like, oh, good, we get to stay home. Yeah, Saturday night is social social life night usually. Another Saturday. Already was going to lose the playoff week. I got some money, so I just got paid. Uh, right. Jaguars favored by six with an over under of forty. Over. What do our numbers say about the over? Slightly over. Yeah. Probably not worth betting. I like the Jags minus six. I'm not sure about the over under. I, I, I like the Jags is, minus six too. Yeah, I, I think this is one where the Jags could get it out to an early lead and then sit on the ball. And and I don't trust Josh Dobbs to be able to come back from anything like that. All right, Jags minus six it is then. Yeah. All right, let's move to the next day and let's move to Baltimore at Cincinnati, which is at 1 p.m. Uh the Ravens won this game in week five, 19 to 17, but all indications are we are getting Tyler Huntley again. And Huntley is on the injury report with a wrist injury. So, so we may that, not even be getting 100% Tyler Huntley. Yes, we could be seeing some of that, that young man, Brown. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a feeling we'll see Huntley. The question is, what does Huntley have, right? Like, Right. So this is the first of the games where – like, I didn't write as many notes because, you know, I mean, it's Huntley. I mean, I will say this, which is uh, the Bengals are especially weak against the short middle. And I okay. did look up Huntley's numbers, and he is good at those passes. He's not as good at the deep and the sides and the whatever, but the short middle where the Bengals have a weakness, he is good at. Mm -hmm. And the Bengals are fifth against tight ends, but Mark Andrews did have 89 yards and a touchdown in week five. So, and you want to talk about your short middle passes, that's Mark Andrews' land. Yes. It's Andrews, and it's likely, and it's what the Ravens like to do. And Huntley has gone from super erratic uh, the first couple of weeks to super game managery and kind of dull lately. So it's almost like you can kind of, you can kind of pencil in whatever, your 13 points or 16 points, and then hope they hope Ravens' defense shuts you down the other end. Yeah, oh, and I feel like even though the Ravens' defense has been better in recent weeks, I don't see them shutting the Bengals down to 14 points. No. Um, yeah. Hitchhiker's Pie says the main thing is hopefully Higgins plays well. One of the worst things about the last few days mm -hmm. has been the people trying to attack T. Higgins like this was his fault in any way. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. I wouldn't be shocked if, if they sit Higgins out in this one just for his own mental health purposes and stuff like that. Plus, if the if the Bills-Bengals games are no contest, the Bengals win the AFC North no matter what, so this game is not particularly relevant to them, so they can they can afford to rest, but both just to get ready for the wildcard week and anyone who is not feeling up to playing a game of football six days later. I, you know, I, again, I have no idea how the player psychology works. Like, I have no idea whether it's better for Higgins to sit out or if it's better for Higgins to play and be like, See, this is normal for me. Like, let me go do the thing that's normal for me. I'm going to catch a ball. I'm going to get tackled. It's normal. 
watch me get tackled and the other guy does not get hurt. Right. Like, like, I don't know. I've always been a big believer in the healing power of the structure. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like you go back and you start doing the things that you define you and who you are and you get better at that. I, I'm not a 25 year old athlete who just dealt with something like that. Yeah. This is something I got from you know years of teaching and, and, and being in some real situations. But this is a situation beyond that. And I think it, it's, it's down to the individual between Higgins, his family, his coaches is what's best. It sounds like the Bengals locker room itself is a little bit torn on the, on the issue of, of, of who wants to play, who doesn't want to play, what's going on. That makes right. predicting the game very difficult, but that, that's 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 a second. I mean, I think we predict the game as if the Bengals are going to yeah. play up to yeah. up to their full power, and I think if the Bengals are going to play up to their full power, and Lamar Jackson is not going to play, I mean, the Bengals look pretty good in this. The line is Bengals minus seven, and I think the Bengals look pretty good. Yeah, uh, assuming the Bengals want to try for for a, very, for a vast number of reasons, then yeah, I have no doubt the Bengals are going to come. I'm up. curious if the league. D- decides and officially announces that Bill's Bengals will be no contest, will the line on this drop? Because uh, now the Bengals have less to play for. Yeah, if, if there's whispers that anyone's sitting out, I'm sure it'll plummet. Uh, Interesting. I don't think – I think it's still on the board. Also, I, I'm just abstaining from these the directly impacted games at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not something I want to profit from or not profit from. Yeah. So. All right, let's talk about the other directly impacted game. And again, like we talked about earlier, like we do not know what emotional impact is going to be here. Right. But we can talk about New England at Buffalo. If Buffalo is not, you know, if they are fully prepared for this game and emotionally ready for this game, they are the better team. And it's a particularly bad matchup for the Patriots. The Patriots do not have the speed on defense to cover the Bills receivers. They do not have the ability to stop Josh Allen running. They're bad against mobile quarterbacks. The Bills beat them 24-10 in week 13. Um, I I will say uh, I have been defending the Patriots' defense from people who say, look at the Patriots' defense. They only shut down bad quarterbacks. Well, 24 points for Josh Allen is below average. Right, right. That's what it looks like to shut down Josh Allen is to give him 24 points. Like, you don't right. shut down Josh Allen these days. <laughs> right. Right? You don't, like, Josh Allen does not go out there and throw three interceptions and score three points. That's not a thing that happens. So 24 <laughs> points for Josh Allen, that is shutting. That's good defense. Right. The Patriots defense is the Patriots defense. It is what it is. It really is that good, especially because, again, the number of possessions, you know, the ball gets back. They're back on defense quickly. There are three and outs. There are turnovers. There are short fields they've had to defend as well. That defense is very strong. The other two units are the issue. And the the offense is a freaking embarrassment. And the special teams are shockingly bad this yeah. year, primarily because of kickoffs and punts. They're really good at punt returns, but Marcus Jones has a concussion and may not play in this game, and so therefore they're not good at punt returns anymore. Right. And missed extra points the last couple of weeks have also yeah. been a factor. Yep. So, you know, things you would count on. For decades you counted on with Guskowski and uh, Benedieri, and suddenly you're not getting them. Huh. Um, I will point out the punting is historically awful. Are they the worst? I'll have to go look at that. Are they Ooh. the worst punting we've ever measured? Like it's. <laughs> I have no idea. How does that slip past all of us? Brian, I blame you. EPA. Well, my numbers are a little different because they adjust for weather and stuff, but yeah. um, 
and and punt blocks. And my guess is one of those Chargers teams is going to be the worst. <laughs> yes, I agree. One of those Chargers bench. teams that had really horrible punting, but the punting is really bad. Um, here's an interesting one. The Patriots defense does have a susceptibility. It's the short middle of the field. But Josh Allen, and this is a surprise, Josh Allen actually has negative DVOA throwing to the short middle of the field. It's the one location on the field where he's not positive. That yeah. being said, I think the reason why, one of the reasons why Allen does so well against the Pats, I went and looked this up, right? The Pats are third in the league in pressure rate on PFR. Josh Allen, 72 QBR under pressure, according to ESPN, when nobody else is above 55. And if you pressure him with only four, right? Like that is the way yeah, to beat good quarterbacks. Pressure good quarterbacks with only four, drop seven into coverage. When you do that to Josh Allen this year, 85 QBR. <laughs> that's safe. So that's the thing the Patriots, right? That's the best part of the Patriots defense, right? Is that they pressure you. They pressure you with four guys. They're getting pressure with Uche yeah. and Judon. Against Allen, good luck. And you have to do the, the Justin Fields mush rush where you don't really pressure. You just kind of, you know, vague in front of them and try to lure him into throwing a hero ball, that an unnecessary hero ball down the yeah. field. Maybe that's the trick. It, it was funny. I was talking to a bunch of, because uh, we were going over the possible scenarios of what would matter, what wouldn't matter. And the number of Bills fans who I talked to, they weren't just assuming the Bills win the Patriots, but they, they, they uh, the Bills beat the Patriots, but they kind of like blue screened even at the concept that they could lose this. <laughs> like, like we would be going on the conversation and then they would like reset back to just assuming week 18 was a win, like not even consciously, just like they, even the, the concept of them failing in this game. Seems very hard to get them to set in, the, set in their minds. Yeah, our simulation has yeah. the Patriots winning this 18%, but because of the fact that it's a specifically bad matchup for them, yeah. like I think it's lower than that. Another, here's another one. The best red zone defense of the year is Buffalo. The worst red zone offense of the year, oh, you know who it is, right? <laughs> it's, it's the Matt Patricia show, baby. Yeah. Right. It's the Matt Patricia show and and – Belichick centers the field than goals. Denver at this point. Worse than yeah. Denver. Well, it's third and 10, and Belichick wants him to hand off and kick a field goal. Yeah. That's what he wants. It's like this is the best scenario with this clown show is to get that field goal out of it. And that's what you get. That's remarkable that you're worse than the Broncos, though. That takes doing. Uh, Bills minus seven is the line, and the over under is 42.5. Yeah, if, if 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 the if the if the Bills are, are good to go, I'm, I'm taking the Bills. Yeah. There's, there's no chance to win the bye week outright if if the if the Chiefs fall to the Raiders. So I mean, this this will have stakes as a meaning. If they're ready to go, the Bills sh they should win this one going away. right. I, as yeah. a gambling gambling, I would keep away from this game because we right. have no idea what the emotional impact is. Right. But if we assume that the emotional impact is mod, you know, whatever that it they play up to their potential, Bills minus seven all. Yeah, I agree. Um, don't forget, by the way, if you are watching us live, you can make comments using Twitch and YouTube. We do like to hear from our readers during the show and have a conversation. So please make uh, live comments. And, uh, you know, we are here at 1 p.m. Eastern. There will be a show tomorrow, I believe. And then next week we start our playoff schedule. Playoff schedule will be me and Mike on Monday to review the games. Kalen Jackson on Wednesday to do news around the league, and then me and Mike 
and guests on Thursday to preview the games of the playoffs. All right, now the one that I have the fewest notes on, and that is New York Jets at Miami because Skylar Thompson. Do you think anything about the Miami offense from all those two attack of Iloa games means anything for what Skylar Thompson's going to do? Because I don't. Thompson looks fine for an emergency third string. We got to have a warm body out there kind of guy. Uh, I've certainly seen worse play, but oh man, this is this is a nightmare situation. They're still talking about whether Bridgewater can play or not. They just signed Mike Glennon for an emergency thing. The, the dislocated play. finger. I mean, yeah. right. on his throwing hand, right? Yeah, right. You know, and that and the fact that that might still be better than Scott Thompson kind of tells you all you need to know about this one to a certain extent. I see. This is hard because the Jets have also been cratering recently, and so it's kind of so. I mean, can the Dolphins win with just gimmicks and gumption, and you know, just giving all the bumpers in the world around Skyler Thompson? Maybe, maybe they can. I, I, I think that's not out out of the realm of possibility by any stretch of imagination. But oof, I saw I saw the name Mike Lennon, and I almost walked into the river. Yeah. Hey, Mike, is Mike Lennon is going Lennon to play on the Dolphins right now. Uh, yeah, signed... This morning, I believe. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like there was chatter coming out of like the Dolphins earlier in the week. There was speculation. It's like, well, you know, should he play in this game? And it's like, I, I can't. Mike Lennon, twenty twenty two, meaningful game. No, no, no. I just short circuited at the thought of that. Um, give me Skylar Thompson throwing jet sweeps and shovel passes the entire game to Tyreek Hill, but don't give me that. Flip side, by the way, the entire Jets offensive line is on the injury report. And it was a it was a simulated injury report, which means it was a walkthrough. Which means when they say did not participate, that generally means he's injured. You don't get a rest day on a simulated injury report. So uh, I don't Mike, know. Yes. Mike White four point three QBR when pressured. <laughs> that's went, that's an that, idea. that is thirty ninth out of forty four quarterbacks with at least a hundred pass attempts. <laughs> and the Miami pressure rate has gone up from 29th to 17th if you only look at games Bradley Chubb played. Maybe Mike Lennon should play for both teams. Um, useful, useful title wants to know, do you believe the reports that the Dolphins owner might clean house and fire GM and coach if they lose this game? I believe that those reports exist. I have seen those reports. I think that might be the dumbest thing the Dolphins have done in the past three or four years, which is saying something, considering everything the Dolphins have done. Uh, I don't see how you say you look at what happened on the back half of the season and go, yes, it's the coaching staff that's the problem, not, not the quarterback injuries. No. no. I believe the reports more than I believe the eighth playoff team report. Let's put it that way. I think, it, and also the idea that Ross is just going to make a play for Peyton absolutely makes sense. That he might make a play for Harbaugh absolutely makes sense. And the idea that Greer is not is safe, harmless to all this is also a little bit of a thing. Again, it was an injury rash, but then you look at the way this team has played together. The only discredit on McDaniel is my questions: Are we sure that he handled the Tua concussions well? And I feel a little eh, but that seems like an organizational problem that's not yeah. a problem you get rid of uh because the rot happens outside of his control anyway so if they did the firing simply to get the peyton brady combination that they just lost a draft pick over yeah would the nfl block it from happening i don't think you can yeah if if brady is a full free agent 
as long as they're not giving Brady ownership. The whole thing about giving Brady part ownership of Miami was never going to happen because you need 31 teams to approve that, and the New England Patriots will never approve that. Yeah, the, 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 the teams will shut, shoot that down out of spite, if nothing else. They've also got to compensate the Saints if they do that. Now, yeah. can they can, with they the first-round pick that they don't have. They have to compensate yeah, the Saints with a first-round pick they don't have. The first round, the, the Dolphins have one at the end from. Uh, oh, I right. guess. No, yeah. no, no that, that went to Denver. That the, 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 the part of the Bradley Chubb fate, I believe. Oh, yeah, you're right. The first round pick went to Denver. Yeah. The Bradley yeah. Chubb trade. They took all those, those nice picks and sent them away. Yeah. You had it right in the mock draft. You did. That's one of the few things I, I just want to point right. out, by the way, Brian, that your cat is up on like a yes. shelf. And so all we see is cat tail, but not the rest of the cat. And it is hilarious. It's uh, like a, a little star Star Wars alien right up in there. Yeah. On the other hand, says Hitchhiker's Pie, Brady has already owned the Dolphins for years. <laughs> uh, so uh, the line in this game is Jets minus one, slightly uh, under 38. Uh, 38.5 is the over-under. Our, our system goes slightly under. I, I would stay away from betting this game. Yeah. I would... I think because of the Jets' offensive line issues, I'm going. I would take Dolphins and the under, as far under as I could get. I hate week eight, week eighteen. I hate it. 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 I might go over though, just just for the chaos gaming. And I'm here for any chaos. Stupid chaos. Stephen Ross does. Does it help? Does it does it help your opinion to know that the Dolphins have removed the ping pong table again? Does that sway you? Oh, the ping pong table has been moved out. Yes. yes. <laughs> Somebody put, I think it's Dan Steinberg, who, who, whose famous tweet, the life is just a series of ping pong tables being moved in and moved out and players talking about what the difference is. Yeah, that's, that's meaningful. Very meaningful. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Stunned a game it. that unbelievably means something. <sighs> yeah. uh, um, I mean, cr- credit to Mike Tomlin for dragging the Steelers into yeah. playoff contention once again. He has coached 257 games. This, games this game. might be the year that yeah, officially yeah. put Mike Tomlin in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's fair. If, if he gets a winning record out of this team this year, <laughs> yes. I mean, well, I mean that's the first year. when they get to the Mike Tomlin Hall of Fame conversation, they're going to say he won a Super Bowl, and also yes. remember 2022. Yes. Remember 2021 when yeah. Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw and they had a winning record for yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we we criticize Tomlin when it comes to some of the elements of uh, coaching that can be measured by analytics. But when it comes to the motivation of men and the management of a locker room, especially when you consider that he managed Antonio Brown for (laughs) years, this man is going into the Hall of Fame. Right. Right. AB can give us all fame speech too. Steelers um, defense, by the way, six weeks of seventeen or fewer points. Nobody yes, they have improved points. over the second half of the year. Yeah. Well, since TJ Watt came back, absolutely. I'll also point out uh, they improve after halftime, while the Cleveland defense declines after halftime. So even if Cleveland has an early lead, this game is not over. Um. The uh, Cleveland defense is poor against deep passes, but Kenny Pickett is the second worst quarterback in the league this year on deep passes, which basically consists of chucking it up and hoping that George Pickens can out wrestle the 
defensive tackle. <laughs> Which he sometimes does. Which he sometimes does. Which he sometimes does, right. But did not against Cleveland because he only had 39 yards in week three. Hmm. Um, I feel like, I mean, it, here's the interesting thing about this game is that I have not watched any Cleveland Browns for the last five right. So I cannot tell you what the heck is going on with Deshaun Watson. But I feel like by five weeks into the season, the argument that he had a year and a half off and he needs to shake off the rust is over now. Right? It, it, there were evidence that he started to come around somewhat last week. He played very poorly in the first half. Then he had a, a couple of deep passes. You're right. I guess one of the things, I'm not going to call it my fear for Deshaun Watson. Maybe it's my hope for Deshaun Watson. Right, so Saul has to have an asterisk. Okay, we're going yeah, to talk yeah. about Deshaun Watson, football player. He's a bad human being. Okay, yeah. go on. Right, right. <laughs> beware of the two-year-old scouting report. You know, beware of the scouting report. Well, we saw him in 2020 for a bad team, and he was really, really good. And now we have to project that to this game or to 2023. We don't know if that guy is necessarily still there. You know, if it was an injury, you'd think one thing. If it was a regular suspension, you'd think another. If he was just benched for a year, it could be another thing. I'm not sure who this guy is. I'm not sure who we're going to see this week. And you're right, like you, Aaron, I've kind of avoided doing a lot of tape study on Watson. I've not, I haven't felt enthusiastic about doing it. And when they were eliminated, I was like, they're eliminated. So. Yeah, I mean, I watched Skylar Thompson in week five today instead of watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Will Levis uh, before we came on instead of watching right. uh, Yeah. Um, uh, one other interesting split, by the way, Pittsburgh defense by down. Third, eighth, 28. Huh. Is there a distance split on that? Or uh, I don't have it in front of me. Okay. That seems at least a little bit like noise to a certain extent. The, the, the third down sub, that, that's something that will... That could be some third down, it. like this is going to revert to the mean. Could right. Uh, Although, you know, Watson historically, when I wrote that uh, thing about uh weaknesses is interesting when i wrote that thing about weaknesses for espn i went back to the 2020 texans and the 2019 texans and historically his weakness was he wasn't quite as good on third downs interesting interesting so. it is all across third downs i did just look it up which even more screens revert to the mean if it was third and long bad it's like okay bad secondary third and short oh you're giving up power success which that could revert as well but it's all across so it might just be a uh, noise the line on this game is Steelers minus two and a half with yeah. an over-under of 40. I'll take the Steelers. Yeah. I, uh, of, of, the, of the three wildcard contenders, they're the ones I'm most confident in, in winning, I think. But I think I will take the Steelers too. I will yeah. point out that the FO plus picks take the Browns. Mm-hmm. And I will also say the Browns do seem to me like a team, much like the Lions in the game we're going to discuss later, that despite – being out of it, they're going to play hard to try to kick yeah. the other team out of the playoffs. Right. A lot of the Browns, the Browns have a very high DVOA. I feel like Brissett, when he was there, was playing well in that running and play action. He structure. was. The Browns are 11th overall in DVOA. But they're eighth in offense, and that's all Brissett. Right. Right. And 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 within the structure, Brissett within the structure of that offensive line that design of system and then their pass rush was strong and i think like their pass defense overall we talked about some weaknesses so it's it's almost like they're riding on what was happening in week eight nine ten in terms of what our you know what our methods are are looking at right and they and week three in which they yeah yeah yeah, week three yeah 
Uh, Los Angeles Rams at Seattle, 430. Now, this, uh, I'm going to point out, this is another sort of, like the Bills and the Patriots, bad matchup. The Rams seem to be a bad matchup for the Seahawks. The Seahawks played badly against them last year. And then in week 13, the Seahawks only won 27 to 23 on a last minute touchdown pass against John Wolford. Yeah. <laughs> say what you want about Baker Mayfield. He has played better than John Wolford. I mean, that, that's, that's been the, that's been the rock paper scissors in the NFC West for the past few years. You know, the Rams are always beating the Seahawks. The Seahawks have been the, been the Niners, the Niners have beaten the Rams and just whoever's slightly stronger ends up winning the division. Yeah. The, the Rams even the- are very bad against starting receivers. Mm-hmm. And in the first game between these teams, Metcalf had 127 and a touchdown and Lockett had 128 and a touchdown. Lockett is on the injury report with a shin injury. Yes, to replace the, the whatever he had finger or hand injury. Yeah. Right. And yeah. also, and again, it's hard to make so these week 18 injury reports, a lot of rest days being thrown in. All the running backs yeah. for the uh for the Seahawks are also on that injury report. Yeah, I it, it sounds like Lockett is going to play. The question is, you know, at, at what speed? Because he came back into the game. Uh, last week, but he didn't get a target in the fourth quarter. So I, I think he'll be out there. I, I don't think he's going to be at full strength. I, I kind of sense a little bit of an upset brewing here because the Seahawks, are, it's, it has been a bad matchup. They're not at full strength. They've got Geno has Smith has fallen back to still being better than you would expect Geno Smith to have been for the season, but he has fallen down a little bit. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has been a surprising. Baker Mayfield has been the guy the Panthers hoped they were traded for, uh, as opposed to the guy they actually <laughs> traded for. Uh, so right. this is this is this is yeah. going to be exciting, right? And when you drop from Lockett to Laquan Treadwell, yeah, that's a problem. Who has replaced uh, Jalen Rager as the guy I make fun of here? So go on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I because I I mean you know I think I kind of would want the Rams to win. I'm I'm kind of rooting for the Lions. Yeah, the Rams well, winning makes sense. I want the Lions, you know, because I like you know, fan, lo- longest suffering fan base without a playoff appearance. Yeah, should get in. Uh, yeah. you know, of the teams that are still in it, so there that would be the Lions. Um, but I mean, the Seahawks are the better team. Like, even though they've got the bad matchup, so like for example, the, the line on this game is Seahawks minus six. I might pick the Rams. But I think what there is is a good chance of a Seahawks win with a Rams cover. That that that's about right. Yeah, I worry about that in Week 18 because I can see a team just just going quitzilla in the fourth quarter and losing the backdoor cover. You know, in any other week, be like, oh yeah, this is close. I, I worry about that team with nothing to play for. Like, oh, we're down, and then so if like lose. the Seahawks are winning by like a touchdown in the fourth quarter yeah. instead of like desperately trying to they're winning by 10 instead of desperately trying to get that last touchdown to make it three the rams are like no oh, right 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 it just it just falls apart on yeah them. yeah so that's that would be my fear there um all right one more game to talk about that is detroit at green bay yes yes lions won this game with a surprisingly low score in week nine 15 to nine uh, and this yeah, is Green Bay, still in the, yeah, Green Bay was still in the uh, we have no receiver phase, but that, that's very low yeah. for Detroit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the Lions, the fact that the Lions were kept to such a low score, I think is sort of interesting, too. One thing I am going to point out, I've talked about this a couple of times, splits happen. And in general, 
from year to year, no team has a better home field advantage than any other team. Okay. But I bring this up solely because Detroit plays indoors. So if you would imagine a team that is different home and away, an indoor team is the kind of team you imagine being like that. Detroit at home, fifth on offense and 15th on defense. Detroit on the road, 12th on offense, 30th on defense. <laughs> and the Vikings we were just complaining about playing outside in Green Bay and slipping over the place last week. So you got some kind of, uh, we, have, we have a recent precedent for dome teams not like playing up in Lambeau. <laughs> um, I will also say uh, two, other, two other things. Uh, the Packers defense is sixth in pressure rate at PFR. Mm. And Jared Goff drops from fourth to 16th in QBR when he's under pressure. We all know the problem. Goff's problem is if you get him off schedule, right? And the Packers have the pressure rate to do that. Uh, And then flipping things around, Detroit's defense is terrible against passes on the outside, but second against passes in the middle, which happens to be the strength of this Green Bay passing game. Matches the strength of the Detroit defense. Surprising. Surprising. By the way, Lions have the best offense in the NFL and DVOA over the last five weeks. Yeah. Packers, I think we we tweeted out this week, Packers have the best special teams in the NFL over the past five weeks. My my guy, Kayshawn Nixon, but also, and despite a block punt last week, just overall solid special teams from the from the Packers of course they brought over the the coach from the Raiders to do that I think that's a big yeah, one. the one thing they're bad on I will say is punts and Detroit has very good punt return but yeah Keyshawn Nixon is great man he's he's gonna be my all-pro kick returner absolutely he's gonna be everybody's all-pro kick returner excellent I hope so um <laughs> what what uh I mean what are you guys thinking about this? The, the, the running games are interesting here. The Detroit running game is only 15th, but the Packers run D is 31st. The Packers running game is third, and yeah. the Detroit run D is 27th. Yeah. There could be a lot of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon going on for Green Bay in this game. I feel like the Lions are, would be more likely to turn to their running game just from a philosophical and like like offensive point of view as, as opposed to the Packers who are going to live or die with Aaron Rodgers kind of no matter what. Uh, that Packers run defense is a disaster. Uh, I, 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 I did um, the, the Joe Thomas draft is coming out this, uh, this afternoon where I draft like non-playoff players for playoff teams. I doubled up on run defenders for the Packers just because I just can imagine them getting run over by the Eagles or the 49ers or whoever they end up playing at some point. I Brian, think the, it's not like the Packers def, run defense buckles in January. I don't know. Oh, where no, never. Crazy. Histor- Historically, very solid. Yes, absolutely. Brian, what team are you a fan of? Uh, I, I am somewhat partial for the 49ers. Uh, they, they've had a little um, bit of luck over the If the Packers years. win this game, what team are the Packers going to probably play in the first round? Uh, it's probably the 49ers. Uh, you know, that's, it's funny thing about the Packers giving up running, running yards to the 49ers. I remember something vaguely, uh, you know. <laughs> so you don't think of Christian McCaffrey. You're not looking forward to seeing Christian McCaffrey against this defense, are you? Oh, no, not, not at all. I, I think that would be a shame. <laughs> Shame. Oh man. Um, I will uh, say it's interesting. Uh, your prop, Mike. Yes. This, 
Part of this prop, I'll, I'll announce the prop. Highest scoring game on Sunday. Here the preface. On Sunday, not week 18, not the two Saturday games. Highest scoring game on Sunday. You can get the Lions-Packers plus 400. A couple of factors here. One is outdoor game. That's an issue when you're talking about scoring. Outdoor game in the cold at night. I look at those week 18 games. Remember, I hate week 18. And the amount of games where it could just be a sloppy, bleh, 23-13 ending all during the course of the, the game. Like these guys are resting yeah. their starters. These guys. I love the idea of coming into that late game, knowing exactly the number we got to hit by that late game and seeing these two teams, again, two very good offenses yeah. go out and cross that. Number. I will I'm say looking. our over under system under 49, under 49, partially because it's a cold game, right? Temperature is supposed to be below freezing night, night game. And because all other things being equal, divisional games have a little bit less scoring. But the over is still 49. I'm looking at the, the schedule right now. How, how would your betting change? Grouch just wants to know, how would your betting change once the Rams-Seahawks result is known? I, I, I was worried about that, but I do think Dan Campbell is a coach who's going to send his guys out there to claw off the kneecaps, even if he has <laughs> nothing to play for. You know, right. and there is a history. There is a history of, you know, I keep bringing up the 2004 Bills, the best DVOA ever to miss the playoffs. All they had to do was beat Pittsburgh's backups, and they couldn't do it. Campbell's also a guy who could call a fake punt every time, go for yeah. every fourth and 15, just cause like a chaos agent, which could add to things. Do, do we have like a really big over game? Because we could we could get a big parlay out of that. Uh, I don't know next, which game we have a really season. high over on. We don't have very many high overs this week, I think. Right. We do have right. Cleveland-Pittsburgh over 40. Cleveland-Pittsburgh over 40. The parlay on that to be the highest scoring game, which I wouldn't necessarily play, you could get that at, at 1,500 if you're feeling it. It's yeah. Uh, I really like Detroit Green Bay being the highest scoring game on Sunday. The next highest over-under period is 43. That's Minnesota and Chicago. So that's the Nathan Peterman show. So I assume they're assuming Peterman's going to throw a number of touchdown Nathan, passes. I, 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 by the way, I gave this away on Twitter, but I didn't give away what game it is. I said okay. there was a game this week that was the first one all year where our projected line was over a touchdown different from the market, which it no longer is because the line on Minnesota-Chicago went down a point. But our big, big, big pick of the week is under in the Chicago-Minnesota game. At 43? Yeah. Yeah. God, Peterman could give 17 points to the Vikings on his own. It, it's the Reaper of Chaos versus the Sowers of Chaos. Is it what it is with Peterman versus the Vikings? That could go any direction whatsoever, and I would not be surprised. The fact is, as bad as Peterman is, his picks are not likely to turn into – pick sixes are rare. Yes. Okay. It is likely that they are picks and not pick sixes. And that is why the system really likes the under. I might just take it. I might just take it to make watching Nathan Peterman like like palatable in some way. Uh, the line is Green Bay minus four and a half in Detroit at Green Bay. I want I want those points. I want those points. You would take I, Detroit in the four and a half? I do too. Yeah. I'll, I'll go the other way on this one, just so we have, sort of have some, some disagreement here. I, I I like the Packers in this one. I think the Packers have been really – the Packers – again, as a 49ers fan, the Packers have been scaring me over the past four weeks because they have been – they they have found a passing game. They have really, really started to click into full gear on everything but run defense. 
Right. Uh, they, I think they are the team nobody really wants to play right now. Because once you get pe- pe- the Eagles have had injury issues, the Niners are on a third string quarterback, the Cowboys are kind of cowboying it up over there. The Packers, are, you know, the Packers look like they could do, sneak in the seventh seed and make some noise. I think the Packers are going to win this one. I think they're going to look good doing it. And I think we're going to have a week of can the Packers get rid, can get over their, their ghosts of postseason's past. Uh, one more question, by the way. Hitchhiker's Pie wants to know if being an all-pro voter is an eventual pathway to Hall of Fame voting, or are they sort of separate processes that are semi-correlated? I don't think they're actually very correlated. Yeah. I would love to be a Hall of Fame voter, and I've expressed that to a couple of Hall of Fame voters. Mike would also like to be a Hall of Fame That's voter. That's my job. That's my job. Um, most of the Hall of Fame voters are specifically assigned to specific teams. Yes. I don't remember exactly how many people are in that room, but 32 of them are specific to specific teams. So, for example, Ron Borges represents the Patriots media uh, as a whole. Right. Damo represents so, the Eagles media. Right. Yeah. The um, all pro voters are primarily national media. Right. I can't give away the names of the, you know, whatever. I will say uh, it's more analytical now than you would think. Right. Uh, and, and you can see the reasoning behind that. You can see the the Hall of Fame vote. It's like somebody has to come up from somebody who's been retired several years and present a case and sort of stand for an individual person. Very different in the All Pro, where you kind of want somebody who's been following the whole league and not be like, "Oh, we're going to be tribal about these individual guys." So there's a different mentality. So I actually think there's very little crossover between the All Pro voters and the Hall of Fame voters because the All Pro voters are mostly mostly national, mostly national folks. So that answers that question, but I would love for either me or Mike. I mean, if Mike got in that room, my stats would get in that room. So as far as I'm concerned, that's basically the same as me being in the room. Your stats are getting in the room now. I hope so. Um, All right. I just want to remind everybody that our sponsors, which uh, is Underdog Fantasy, and you can play Underdog Fantasy for playoff best ball. You can play now and try to play guess who's going to win the seventh seed. Or you can wait and play after this weekend, and then at least you know who the playoff teams are. But either way, they've got playoff best ball leagues galore with a chance to win real money. Plus, they've got all of their over-under games where you can guess an over or an under on a player's projected stat line, even if you are in a state where traditional prop betting is not allowed. So there's also baseball. Baseball best ball drafts are up too now. So Rafael Devers just made a bunch of money. Go grab him in your baseball best ball draft. So um, we, uh, yeah, you should join Underdog Fantasy. Underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store. And do not forget to use promo code OUTSIDERS so they know we sent you and so you double your first deposit up to $100. Hitchhiker's Pie says a Tampa AP voter presumably voted for their quarterback one year in the 90s. I don't remember. This is not perfect. (laughs) It's going to be interesting this year. It's going to be interesting this year now that we're voting like baseball writers. Right? So for this year, for the first time, we are voting for two players for every all-pro spot, three, three players for every award, and five players for MVP. Weighted? And it's weighted. I believe that the MVP votes go 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. That's going to be really interesting. Uh, that, 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 that'll highly because the odds that a non-quarterback slip into the voting somewhere. It should be fun to watch. It also, oh, yeah. but it also means that there will be a real second team. 
None of this business where we all vote for Jonathan Taylor and therefore there's no second team running back. Like there will be a second team running back. Or Cole Beasley getting one vote and therefore getting in the second seat because someone voted for a slot receiver. Yeah. What'd you say? I think he was on record. Peter was yeah. on record. That, 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 yeah, that, that was, was Peter King, King. yes. Yeah. You say, well, I've had the same question this year. I asked actually on Twitter. Um, should I vote for a free safety and a strong safety, or should I just vote for whoever I think is the two best safeties? And I'm not saying that I've decided that the two best safeties are uh, Hafanga and uh, Buda Baker, but it's possible that the two best safeties are Hafanga and Buda Baker. Should I vote for Hafanga and Buda Baker, even though neither of them is a free safety? Good question. Good question. You know, I'm also considering Minka, Pat Minka Fitzpatrick and yeah. a couple of other guys. But and uh, Grouch says Hester goes in. I mean, I think Mike is plugged into this better than we are. I think I, that I'm, a lot of I'm the Hall of Fame, we can argue about Hester's value, but the Hall of Fame voters believe it. The Hall of Fame voters seem to be pretty high. I'm getting more information as people respond to me along the way. I think Hester has a pretty strong chance. When I hear he had a pretty strong chance last year, and just you know how it is, the the, the go from fifteen to ten to five. Um, he sort of got lost along the way up that path, but it's not a it's not a situation by any stretch where people are like, "Return, man! What the hell is it?" It's completely the opposite. Of that. The fact is, Corderell Patterson may have better numbers, but Hester has the legends. Hester has the no one's going to kick off normally to the Bears for like three years. They're going to bounce kickoffs, right? He had, I mean, there were teams that did that with Corderell Patterson too, but again, Hester has the legends. Hester has the stories. And right, like <laughs> matters, right? Hester yeah. did it in a Super Bowl. Hester, like, that's right. what matters for Hester. I, I remember interviewing some kid for the draft a couple of years back who was trying to make a name for himself as a return man, and he told the story of being in the stands at like eight or nine, seeing Hester return the kick in the Super Bowl. Like, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. There, there's like a sort of a big, like, emotional impact thing with Devin Hester, and it's an on-field impact as well because that 2005 Bears team. Was garbage, you know. Yes. And, well, I mean, on, on offense certainly, and Hester was a big part right, of. It was all defense and special teams. Yeah, yeah. So. And Erlacher already got it. So. Yep. Yep. So that takes care of that Bears defense. All right. all right, that does it for the show, folks. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for listening and watching all year. I mean, we're not done. We're going into the playoffs, but. I want to thank everybody who's been watching and listening all year, everybody who has been dropping comments. Don't forget to use our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Don't forget to subscribe to FO+. Don't forget to use our Discord. We are going to have some awesome discussions on Discord during the playoffs. They're going to yeah. be really good. And don't forget Brian's live blogs, which I believe we are doing Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday and Sunday as well, yeah. So four, four whole windows. We're not yeah, doing Chiefs Raiders. Don't look at us doing Chiefs Raiders. Just, no, we're not doing Chiefs Raiders. That's, that's right. <laughs> and uh, we will be back. Me and Mike will be back Monday, 1 p.m. to review week 18. And by then we should know what's happening about Cincinnati Buffalo and be ready to go into the postseason. So we will see you then. Have a great weekend, everybody. So long. Bye.